And don't you black people ever forget one thing. The man that helped Jesus carry that cross was a black man. And don't ever forget another thing. Jesus belongs to Africa as much as he does to Europe and Asia. He was born in that part of the world that touches Africa and Asia and Europe. And Jesus was not a white man like me, nor was he as black as some of you. We don't know what the color of his skin, but it must have been a dark color like the people of his day because he was a man like them. Don't ever say it's a white man's religion or a black man's religion. It's a world religion. He belongs to the world. Welcome to the Outsiders Podcast. We are back. It has been a while, but uh, we are called the Outsiders for three very specific reasons. Number one, we are outsiders from society because we are in the kingdom of God. This worldly system does not accept us. It does not love us, nor do we fit in it. We are outsiders from politics because neither Tyler nor I fit into the either the Republican or Democrat uh, pigeonholed Absolutely. kind of mold that we're in. And we are also outsiders from American evangelicalism mm-hmm. um, that sees so many things as us versus them versus them. And of course, yeah. we have really seen that over the last couple of years. Um, and so we don't even like really being associated with American evangelicalism. And so right. we are certainly outsiders from that. Uh, and we are outsiders from the African-American community because we are not black. We are two white guys. You are still not uh, black, Neil. Still not black. Season two, and we are still not black. Yep. Even though we have walked hand in hand most of our lives with yeah. um, the black community and have dear friends in the black community, we are outsiders in regards to that. And so that is why we call ourselves the outsiders, if you are wondering. And um, yeah. if you have a problem with that, I don't know what to do for you. We're, we're going to do nothing for you. We're going to do uh, nothing for you. But... The, the purpose of this podcast, you know, we want to we want to really educate white people. So this yes. this podcast is mainly for white people. Right. Even though not we got a black audience. Can't, yeah, yeah. We have a black audience. But not that others can't listen and, and learn and be educated on these things. But we, we definitely want to focus on white people that uh, are willing to learn and, right. and, you know, be educated. And so we want to be an advocate and defender of black lives, um, dignity and equality, and, and again, guys, you might not agree with everything you hear. Right. Season, we have a whole season under our belts, and uh, you probably didn't agree with everything. Right. Um, but at the same time, we also try to be very consistent and just keep it to Scripture. Right. We, we don't share a lot of our opinions and right. things we like try, that. Yeah, we try to, to keep it as historical and biblical as possible. Right. But yeah, so we we are convinced that if you listen and really think through these things with us and even interact with us, you know, right. we're really wanting to do that this season. Right. I want to interact with the audience more and and you guys who have questions, please bring that to us and that can only make the podcast better. Yes. Um and so, but yeah, we're we're super excited and that's what our purpose is. We're we're right. here for uh white people that are are really just ignorant of these 
right these topics yeah and just want to learn and want to including to, ourselves right absolutely. like we we were ignorant before we studied these things absolutely. and we're still ignorant in certain things so and, and and what happens you know as pastors the same thing happens you begin to study to teach something and study to preach something and and yeah. you get more out of it than you're even giving to other people and that certainly happens as we begin to educate ourselves and study on the variety of topics that we will get into last season and this season and if this is your first time listening uh we are two white pastors. Yes. I don't think we said that on yep. that part, but from the Dallas area, two white pastors from the Dallas area yeah. that just have a heart for, yeah. and, and, and we are always going to try to have a heart check each and every yeah. uh, episode. Uh, this, this time it's pretty straightforward. We are excited <coughs> to be back, man. We're pumped. Um, our plan was to take off June, yeah. pick back up in July, but as pastors, we, um, Camps. Man, we've got camps. All types of stuff. We've got vacation Bible school. Then yeah. we go on vacation, and um, not not least of which is just being fathers and and husbands and, and COVID going around and, and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's just sickness. been wild. And so we are back, though. We are so excited to get into this second season and to get yeah. it rolling and get it started. And and uh, we're gonna start. Give me with, give me just a sec because I, I actually also want to say that this season is going to be a little bit different. So we're, we're going to kind of follow the same formula and all that things. Um, but we want to really, like I said, we want to interact more. Right. Um, we want to have guests on the show. For sure. Right. So this season is where we're really going to branch out and, and get some people um, that that can talk about these things. You're not just going to be hearing our voice. And maybe we'll interact with media or something like that. So we right. will be... Very active in those things as yeah, well. Try to be a little bit more interactive. Yeah. And uh, and to get this season started, we are going to interact with mm. um, the topic of the black presence in early Christianity. You mm. heard the clip at the start of the podcast right off the jump from uh, Billy Graham. We'll be referring back to that Preaching as we work through it. But uh, this is... Episode 15, I believe, the first one in season two, The Black Presence in Early Christianity. And as we begin looking at a historical segment, I want to start with this statement. And it might sound strange to some people, but it needs to be clearly understood, and, and hopefully the next couple weeks we will flesh this out and, and defend this statement. But here's the statement. Mm. The Bible has always been a multiracial, multicultural book, yeah. and Christianity has always been a global religion. Yep. So let me say that again. The Bible has always been a multiracial, multicultural book. And Christianity has always been a global religion. So you're saying this is not a white man's religion. It is not a white man's religion. And and just I don't know for clarification's sake, we're gonna. I just use the term multiracial, and you use the term white. Right. We understand that those are terms that came later on. Constructs. So, so what we're doing with our vernacular and our vocabulary is we're using the vocabulary and the vac- vernacular of today right. as we reference back. Yeah. So when we say black man, we understand that they would not have been necessarily called black, white, uh, brown, right. the way that we refer to them as uh, today. But um, Kushites and Ethiopians. Yes. And, and so all we're going to, so. we're going to use that language as we move back. And, right. and it, it, when it comes to the black presence in the Bible, sometimes it's difficult to see. Mm-hmm. Um, because you won't read terms like white, right. black, 
um, or even African. Right. You, you won't have the word African, mm-hmm. but you will read terms, like you just said a while ago, of Ethiopians, yeah, yeah. Kushites, Egyptians, mm-hmm. other tribal terms where we know black presence is predominant. Right. So just to give you a little uh, numbers here, Ethiopia is mentioned 45 times in the Bible. Mm. That's a lot. Yeah. 45 times. And if you add this to the number of times that Egypt is mentioned, you have Africa becoming the most mentioned landmass in the Bible. Ooh. So that's it, significant, guys. If you just take Egypt and Ethiopia, mm-hmm. it is the most mentioned landmass in the Bible. Africa becomes the most mentioned landmass in the Bible. Yeah. That is significant mm-hmm. and it is huge yeah, yeah. in understanding the construction of Christianity as a global religion from the very beginning. Right. It, it should be noted just for geographical yeah. understanding. Mm-hmm. It should be noted that the Middle East, including the Holy Land, was connected to Africa until 1859. This is when we the Suez Canal was built and it mm. was completed. Mm. So for a very, very long time, the Middle East, including the Holy Land, was actually was connected to... Part of Africa. Africa, yeah. yeah. It was connected. So right. you had intercontinental travel, right? Yeah, Very yeah. easily. Right. For the sake of this discussion, however, we're going to focus on black Christianity. Mm. And, and not necessarily black people in the Old Testament. Even though the presence of black people in the Old Testament all over the place. everywhere. In fact, right. uh, Tony Evans has a book called uh, Oneness Embraced. Yeah, Oneness Embraced. And I think a new version, uh, a new edition is coming out in January. But in that book, he kind of traces all of the black people in the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. I, I recommend that. But um, what we're going to do is we're just going to focus on early black presence in Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the place to start to kind of get us there mm-hmm. Um, is to look at what is called the Jewish dispersion mm. or the, the Jewish scattering. Uh, this began in 722 BC, before Christ. Yeah. The Assyrians come and conquer Israel. Mm. As they're on their way to conquer Israel, Jewish people disperse all over the Middle East. The next stage of the dispersion happens when Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon comes and captures the Judeans and, and two things happen. He brings a large group with him to Babylon. Yeah. In Babylonian captivity. That's where mm-hmm. we read about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And, yeah. Um, but he allowed them to stay as a unified group mm-hmm. in Babylon. And mm-hmm. then you had another large group when Nebuchadnezzar is attacking that fled to Egypt and North Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So you have two specific groups that kind of fled. Mm -hmm. So by 597 BC, there were three distinct groups of Hebrews. You had a group in Babylon. Mm -hmm. You had a group uh, that was spread out over the rest of the Middle East. And then you had a group in Egypt. Mm. What's interesting is all of these Jews kept their religion, identity, and social customs. Hmm. They did it under... Assyria, they did it under Babylon, they did it under Persian rule after that, they did it under the Greek rule. They had their identity, their culture, and they, they knew they were ruled underneath right. these right. other kingdoms, but they were allowed... They were free, yeah, in a sense. They were allowed yeah. to do their thing. Now, right. 
That all changed in 63 BC. Yeah, Romans don't play that. Yes, when Rome, Mm -hmm. basically Judea came under Roman rule, eventually the entire Greek rule ended. Rome now rules most of the world, and and now you've got something very different happening. You have a nightmare situation. Oh, it was horrible, because they were seen as people who did not worship the... In the empire, the empirical yeah. pagan cult right. of of Romanism, and so infidels. <laughs> yeah, they they were just they were Not that word, but persecuted for yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um. So so here are the numbers of Jewish people, and they did not get to keep. I just want to be clear: they did not get to keep their their religion and all those things well, under Roman rule. They, they did, they were, but not with freedom. Right. So in other words, they continued to worship Yahweh, but it was not with the same freedom and mm-hmm. cultural advantages that they had under the other empires. Other rulers, yeah. Yeah, yeah everything changed with Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the estimation is that there were 7 million Jews under Roman rule mm-hmm. by this time. And for our purposes, this number is important, 1 million Jews in Egypt. In Egypt. So that's so, 8 million altogether. Uh, 8 million altogether. 1 million of them is in Northern Africa. Mm. So, 1 million Jews in Northern Africa who continued to worship Yahweh, Yahweh. Yeah. and to spread their religion to converts in the area. Right. So the Jewish dispersion mm. resulted in African converts to Judaism. Right. This is when we begin to see black Egyptians worshiping Yahweh, mm-hmm. black Africans worshiping Yahweh. Yeah. There are um, two very important African areas that have biblical references that I want us to talk about for a few minutes here. Um, one is Cyrene and the other is Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah. And, and so I want to deal with those two African regions and to do so, I want us to first talk about a man named Simon of Cyrene. If you are a Christian, you probably recognize that name. Simon of Cyrene is the man who carried Jesus' cross. Right. Jesus got um, brutalized, beaten, mm-hmm. tortured, and was to the point where he physically could not carry the cross anymore. And so Simon was grabbed and told to carry the cross with Jesus or for Jesus. Yeah. In Acts chapter, or in Mark, Mark. chapter yeah. 15, verse 21. This is what we read of Simon of Cyrene. It says, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Hmm. So here we are told a few things about Simon. Right. One, he was from Cyrene, which is in Africa. Right. Okay. This man is an African. Yeah. All right. Two, he was coming to Jerusalem from the country. Yeah. Uh, the historians say there's only two reasons why Cyrenians would come to Jerusalem. One was for business and one was for worship. Mm. The fact that this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is happening right now. Right, the time. He's probably coming to worship. Yeah. So this is probably a Jewish convert mm-hmm. who is coming to Jerusalem to worship from Africa. Yeah, yeah. The third thing we read is that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, nothing else is said about those two boys. Yeah, right. So all we know is their names. So it's, yeah. It seems a little weird. Right. 
Why would Mark throw in the names of these two boys? Because they were known. Randomly. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. Most theologians believe these two boys were known in the Christian world. Right. Because Mark would have expounded on that. He would have said Alexander and Rufus, and then he would have who said are, who are, da, 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 blah, da, da, blah, blah, blah. Right. right. But he names them because at some point they become influential in Christianity. Yeah. Probably even early church leaders, mm. uh, well known by Mark's time. So, right. And his audience. And in fact, we have Paul in Romans chapter 16, at the, the very end of his letter, he's you know, doing what he normally does where he's telling people, you know, say thank you to these people and greet these people. Mm -hmm. And he actually says to greet Rufus and his mother. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So more than likely we have the Rufus that is the son of Simon and his mother at the time. Um, and they're obviously influential in Christianity and influential in Paul's life. Yeah. Paul's very fond of them. So what else do we know about Simon? So we know those three things. Mm. Um, something else that might help us is if we turn to Acts chapter 13. And if you're driving or you're walking and don't try to pull up the Bible right now, just <laughs> keep keep driving and be safe. And I'm going to promise you that I'm reading uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. And here's what it says. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who mm. was called Niger. And then there's a few others that are mentioned. Interesting to note, Simeon is the same name as Simon. Right. It's a different way to spell it. It's Mm -hmm. the exact same name. They're interchangeable. Mm -hmm. So Simeon and Simon, alternate spellings for the exact same name. He could have just written, now there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon. Yeah. The other thing is that he is called the Niger. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Niger was a nickname that meant black or dark, and it's probably a reference to his appearance. And again, we know that, uh, you know, that race was not uh, like that. It wasn't black and white back then. Right. Uh, but they're, they're describing a darker yeah, the, skin. Yeah, the darker right? skin the color. Darker person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so here's what we have. We have a man named Simon in Acts chapter 13 mm-hmm. who was very dark complected. Mm. Now, where would be a good place to find a dark complected man? Well, Cyrene. Yeah, well, Africa, right? <laughs> right and yeah. Cyrene more specifically. Yeah. Especially a man named Simon, Simon from that's black from Africa. That would be a great place to go. And Cyrene would be a bla- great place to go. Could be the same guy is what it we're It very to well say. could be the same guy. And and we ha- so we have a link there right. between these two Simons indicating to us that we, we might be talking about the same person. 100%. But there's more evidence that we might be talking about the same person. The church at Antioch, that it describes here in verse 1 of chapter 13, mm-hmm. the church in Antioch, we know from previously in Acts, was established by, by men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Right, and Simeon was the, the leader in Antioch church. Yes, he was yeah. one of the leaders of the Antioch church. So right. you have a man named Simon, mm-hmm. a leader of the Antioch church, where this church was founded mm-hmm. by Cyrenians. Right, right. So... Again, we are probably talking about the same man, right? A black man from Cyrene um, helped establish and lead the church at Antioch. Mm. So, a great probability that Mark fifteen and Acts thirteen is talking about the same man. So, let me let me sum up his life real quick. Simon of Cyrene became a believer in Jesus Christ mm. shortly after carrying Jesus' cross, right? 
Powerful. Absolutely powerful. His sons were well-known in the early church. Mm -hmm. He later travels to Antioch, helps get a church founded and started. His wife and sons come with him, and it is there in Antioch that he receives the nickname Niger, the black guy. (laughs) Now, he was later, this is crazy, he was later joined in Antioch by Paul Mm -hmm. and John Mark, Mm -hmm. Mark who wrote Mark, Yeah. Who both got to know him and love him. Mm. Uh, him and his and wife and his sons. Wife, and, his sons. Yeah, right. They were prominent in the church there. Um, and what a unique role mm. Simon, a black man from Africa, played from the very beginning right. in the gospel. We, we, wow. we don't have Pentecost yet. We don't have mm-hmm. the, the Holy Spirit falling yet. We, we don't have... Um, big proclamations of the gospel yet, right. and yet r- before any of that, we got a black man believing in Jesus. Yeah. Massively important. Oh, yeah. Another reason why Cyrene is important for our discussion of black Christianity is because of what we read in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, you've got um, Pentecost happening. You've got Peter, Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples, and now you have Peter preaching to thousands of people in Acts chapter 2. Pentecost mm-hmm. was a... Uh, a harvest celebration. It was a day of worship where we're worshiping Yahweh and thanking him for our harvest celebration. And so what happens is, is that Jewish people from all over the place come for this yeah. festival. Right. And if you're familiar with the story, Peter gets up, mm-hmm. he preaches, preaches in his own language yeah. and everybody hears it in their own language. Right. Right. And so everyone hears the gospel Mm -hmm. in their own language. Their native tongue. And what we have is a list of people starting in verse nine or verse eight and verse nine, a list of groups of people that were there that day. Mm. It says, how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And then you get this list, Parthians and Medes and mm-hmm. uh, a group a group of all these people. And in this list, you have, and then parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. Mm. The reason why that is important, the reason why, why I want to mention that is we don't know the Cyrenians that were there in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. We do not know the color of their skin. Right. Okay. They could have been uh, brown-skinned Orthodox Jews from birth. Right. They could have been converts. There could have been yeah. black people there at Pentecost. Yeah. We're not told. What we are told mm-hmm. is that 3,000 people get saved, including Cyrenians. Right. And what are they going to do with the gospel? They're going to take it home. They're going to take the gospel yeah. right back to Africa. Right. So now the gospel comes, and by the way, the list also has Egyptians named. Yeah. So now the gospel's coming to Egypt, mm-hmm. and the gospel is coming to Cyrene. The gospel is coming to Africa right, right at the beginning. Yeah. Right from the jump. Spreading. The gospel is in Africa. Yeah. That's awesome. The other area of Africa that is important for understanding the beginning of black presence in Christianity is found in Acts chapter 8. In mm. Acts chapter 8, this is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, geographically speaking, Ethiopia was larger and protruded a little bit more south than it does today. Mm -hmm. So it it includes Nubia, 
Um, you, you've heard black men say before, uh, talking about their girlfriends or wives, my Nubian queen, queen. or my yeah. Nubian yeah, princess. Yeah. Or, right. um, that was a part of Ethiopia yeah. at the time of, of right. Scripture. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, we have an Ethiopian official, mm-hmm. a treasurer who is a eunuch, who has traveled to Jerusalem and is now coming back. And I want to read his story to you because, again, I think it is pivotal for understanding black Christianity in Africa. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip, obviously a believer in Jesus, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Mm -hmm. I love how uh, Luke throws that in there as he's writing this because he's like, Philip got sent to the desert. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Not sure why, but he went. He he was there. And he arose and he went. And there he found an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who is in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Interesting. The only reason you come to Jerusalem to worship is if you worship Yahweh. Mm -hmm. So this man... Because of the dispersion that we talked about a while ago, because right. of the, the scattering, this man came to worship Yahweh Yeah, in Africa, in Nubia, in Ethiopia. Mm. He has now traveled to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh, and he's on his way back. And here's what it says in verse 28. And he was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Mm. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And his response was, how can I? Right. How can I understand unless someone guides me? Yeah. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter like a lamb before cheers is silent. So he opens not his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told the good news about Jesus mm. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? So this Ethiopian eunuch believes the gospel and immediately says, and I want to be baptized by this water right here. Yeah. Let's do it. He's about his faith. Yes. (laughs) Let's do it right now. Let's let's go. Let's get baptized. He is thrilled and excited. Yeah. And, and in fact, it says when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no war and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. So guess what's going to happen when this black Ethiopian Nubian nobleman, yeah. right? Court official yeah. goes back to his homeland. Man, he's going to be spreading that gospel. He's bringing yeah. the gospel. Yeah. He's going to tell Candace. Especially with that kind of zeal. You yes. see water and you're like, look, baptize right. me now. He's already, yeah. already in obedience. Yeah. Let me get baptized. Yeah. I'm rejoicing. <laughs> Whatever it He's is. He's going to go back and he is me. going to take this that. gospel to Ethiopia and Africa. And and just for some of you wondering, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, how was he reading the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. Um, once Greeks ruled the world, right. uh, under Alexander, Alexander the Great, the... 
Greek language became the official language. Yeah. And so even in Nubian Ethiopia, mm-hmm. the court language mm-hmm. was Greek. Right. You had the Bible that had been translated in the from the Old Testament Hebrew into Greek, right? Called the Septuagint, right? So he's reading the Greek translation of the Old Testament because right. he knew how to he knew how to read Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this is so vitally important. We see three examples from the very beginning: mm-hmm. Simon of Cyrene and his family, yeah. Cyrenians and Egyptians at Pentecost, and the Ethiopian eunuch. Christianity reaches black people from the very beginning mm-hmm. before the Holy Spirit even falls. Whoa. It's already been reaching black people. Yeah. Christianity is not a white man's religion. Yeah, so much for that. It's not a religion that was just adopted by the slaves from their slave masters mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah. And and Tyler, I know you have had this experience and I I have had it as well. I have heard uh, black men and women reject Christianity on mm-hmm. that premise. Yeah. On the premise of Christianity was a white man's religion. We're right. not going to take the religion of our slave masters. Yeah. Well, what about your African fathers? Yeah. What about the 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 Cyrenians yeah. and the Nubians and the Egyptians? Mm-hmm. And what about believing in the gospel and the religion that they believed in? Yeah. Before there was a white man in the United States. Yeah. So this is important for the African American community to know, and this is vitally important for the the white community to know that Christianity doesn't doesn't start when the gospel goes to Europe. Yeah. Billy Graham is right. Yeah. From the very beginning. From the very beginning, mm-hmm. it is a global religion. Yep. It is a world religion. Yep. Um, it goes to Africa before it ever goes to Europe. Yeah. And we've got to get our history right so we understand. There, there's so much misunderstanding of, of, among the white Western Christianity mm-hmm. that basically thinks the world got Christianized because of the United States. Yeah, yeah. No, the gospel was global before the United States ever existed. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham was right. Mm-hmm. Um, when he said it, he wasn't the first one to say it. Mm-hmm. He ain't the last one to say it. Here we are saying it now. Christianity has been a global religion from the very, very beginning. Yeah. So for those of you guys who have been listening to our, our season one episodes, you know, we like to do kind of a theological segment after a historical segment. A little bit of a blend today. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of bleed over into each other. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for this theological segment, I just want to lay before us some some practical truths regarding the spread of Christianity and modern day evangelism. Right. Yeah. Um, in the book of Romans ten seventeen, the the apostle Paul says that faith comes from hearing mm. and hearing through the word of Christ. Yeah. So uh, as as the gospel was spreading in Africa, people had to preach the gospel, right? right? You had you had them go and spread the gospel, and so evangelism, by definition, is spreading the Christian faith through public preaching and or personal witness, right? So in order for Christianity to spread to Africa like it did, the gospel had to be preached. Amen. Men and women who were changed by Jesus. They had to fulfill the Great Commission, and they had to preach the gospel and make disciples of, mm-hmm. of all nations, right? They had to um, take it into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Right. They had to obey that. Right. And, and in order to make disciples, life on life has to happen, mm-hmm. right? 
So, in other words, true Christian evangelism comes from relationships. Yeah. So when you say life on life, that, that is that what you mean? Yes. Relationships. Yes. Yes. I constantly pressing in with each other in, in the mm-hmm. scriptures and being with fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus and fellowship and wrestle through questions, eat food, fight uh, sin, bear with each other, fight yeah. sin. Um, and ultimately, you know, worship him as one united body. Right. Uh, in order for disciples to be made relationships, they have to be had. Mm, and so say that that's good. In order for disciples to be made, relationships have to be had. That's they do. so good. And in the interest of shooting straight with you guys, uh, I'm just going to be real. Uh, you have a much better chance of building that kind of relationship if you're not a jerk. Yeah. I mean, it seems obvious. Like, yeah. Like, that's an obvious statement that everyone should know. Right. But how many Christians act like jerks? Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and it just repels from the gospel. So, and let me take that even a bit further and, and say that Jesus is not just interested in your orthodoxy. He's also interested in your orthopraxy, which is your conduct and how you live out right. your uh, so the ortho- doctrine. So right? orthodoxy, that's doctrine. Correct. Orthopraxy is the living out of that doctrine. Of that doctrine, yeah. Day to day. And God cares about both of those. Yeah. Not yeah. just one or the other. He cares yep. about Absolutely. Both. And uh, Jesus through the prophet John, this is how I know this, is because in Revelation 2, uh, Jesus, through the prophet John, says, I know your works, your toil. And he's talking to the church in Ephesus, right? Mm-hmm. In Ephesus, if you know anything about Ephesus, they they have a crazy story, crazy yeah. testimony. Yeah, big time cult. Yeah, witchcraft, sexual yeah. rituals, all those things. Yeah. Um, and so it says, Jesus says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But have tested those to call themselves who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So far, so far, Jesus is saying, "Look, I know that you call out false prophets. I know that you call out false doctrine, and 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 I like that about you. Right. And you right? got to have your doctrine right, yeah. in order to do that. Right. So, so your doctrine's great. Kudos. Right. I, I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. So far, so good. So far." compliments, right? Right. But then he says this this terrifying thing and he says, "But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Mm. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent." Yeah. Man. Now when I read that this past week, Neil, I was blown away, bro. It, it's it just is so applicable to yeah. some some Western circles in Christianity Absolutely. today. Absolutely, um, and Man, so look, it, it's so true. I, I one of the things that I I might torture myself with mm-hmm. I, with people have told me that I'm torturing myself with this, but I I follow some Twitter feeds yeah. <laughs> that are um, simply designed to bring attention right. to to the people who might have good doctrine but are hateful and yeah. um, instead of blessing those that persecute them. They, some have they, horrible doctrine, too. They <laughs> curse those who yeah. curse them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Some have horrible doctrine. And and what is so sad, mm-hmm. um, what makes me angry, what troubles me so often is that I see these clips of 
pastors and the way that they're speaking, the way that right. they're talking, the way that they're um, engaging mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And I and I read it's infuriating this about love. Yeah. And I'm like, he says, look how far you've fallen. Yeah. From what? Yeah. From love. Right. You've missed it, bro. Yeah. You've <laughs> missed it. You've missed and it. So you've missed the point. You can have all of your doctrine right. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that I used to really look up to mm-hmm. that, man, they've got good doctrine. But when it comes to dealing with people, yeah. man, they fall so woefully short. Yeah. Um, and it's so troublesome to me how that seems to be growing, yeah. not shrinking. And right. That seems to be growing. And God says... If that's the case, you've fallen from love. Yeah. Um, man, it's just so sad what we see. Yeah. It's just so sad. So let's recap. Revelation 2, you have Jesus writing to a church that has a testimony filled with being delivered from some of the most depraved demonic things imaginable. Yeah. Uh, they've turned their back on the wickedness of witchcraft and sexual rituals and all types of other things. And as a result, uh, they endured through some some persecution, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is kudos for that. Right. And in this passage, he's giving them their credit, but then he says, I have this against you. You have forgotten your first love. So Jesus is saying, I care about you caring about doctrine. I care what you've endured for my namesake, but where is the love? Where is the love? Sing it, bro. Wasn't that, uh, who sang that? Not the Black Eyed Peas? Yeah, it was the Black Eyed Peas. It was the Black Eyed Peas. And it was Timberlake too, right? Yep, I think so. Yeah. Fergie! <laughs> she ruined him. <laughs> yeah, she uh, <clears throat> so Jesus is saying, you know, I care about that, but but you've forgotten the love. And so right. you and I can attest to this because we've both been to Bible college and, and kind of been through mm. this. You have Bible college is like this this haven for... Oh, man. It can be a breeding ground. Yeah, it really can. Um, for, the, for these well-intentioned, you know, yeah. well-intentioned yeah. kids that go into Bible college real zealous about God and, and love... Uh, doctrine and theology, mm-hmm. and then they just get overtaken by it, right? And it it puffs them up and makes right. them arrogant, and and uh, and that's exactly what the scripture says: that knowledge without love yeah. just puffs up. Wow. And and I am one of the things that I'm um, very aware of is how many students do go off to Bible college, go to seminary, go to um, take Bible classes. And get so puffed up with knowledge mm-hmm. that really that knowledge suffocates their love. Yeah. It suffocates it. Yeah. Um, and, and to the point where their witness for Christ becomes nil and void. Like right. they, they, they don't have a witness for Christ outside of debating theology mm-hmm. in the walls of their seminary or in the walls of their Bible college. Right. And right? That, they and- lose it. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'll, I'll remove that lampstand. I'll re- remove your influence. Right. Yes. I will remove all of that. What, so, the, you know, this light that you're supposed to be. Yeah. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And then he says, you are the light of the world. Right. Right. And, and he's saying, your influence will be gone. Yeah. If, if you've got doctrine right and no love, your influence will be gone. Which tells me, like, what is that doctrine for then? Right. Right. Like you're just gonna you're just gonna have right. good doctrine to yourself, but you're not gonna be able to right. spread the gospel and, and be effective in, and the in truth is evangelizing. If, if and if you wanna you know, this may be a topic for another day, but on a different <laughs> podcast. But the truth is if you've got right doctrine, yeah, you will be full of love. Right. So it kind of reveals that your doctrine ain't as yeah. good as you thought it was. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, it is. It's troublesome that that you see that with so many young people in Bible college. Uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't stop with the young immature. It uh, it goes up to people yeah. that have been in ministry for a very, very long time and have um, worked through their doctrine for a very, very long time, but they don't have love. Right. And so this is a podcast on race and justice. So let's use that as an example in, in the Western world, what's going on today. Right. Um, there are mainstream Christian pastors that will preach from the pulpit that you and I should either preach the gospel or shut up. Right. Right. Like we, we should not. And this is from the pulpit yep. and, and some of it's on the Twitter feed and yep. stuff that you're talking yep. about. But these, these guys are saying that people like Neil and I are destructive to true Christianity. Because we're talking and, and about race. We too believe much. a false gospel. They'll they'll jump that far right. to say we believe and we are brothers in Christ. Right. Right? Right. And so it, it's just wild to me. And and dude, we we've seen it where we have been called, we've been questioned by people yeah. that, oh, you know, you need to be careful. That sounds Marxist. Yeah. You know, or oh, you need to be careful uh, about this. And 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 so what happens is it, it's kind of a strategy almost where yeah. we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. where it's like you're talking about race too much, which is going to lead to Marxism, which is going to mm-hmm. lead to communism, which is a different gospel. And yeah. therefore you are heretic. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, where, yeah. like, where did you go? And, and t- to me, it's just a matter of getting people to shut up. Right. You know what I mean? And, and the way they do that is say, just preach the gospel. Right. Just, right. Yeah. Just preach the gospel. And they don't heed their own advice. Right. Yeah, we've they're talked preaching about that against, too. They're preaching against abortion and they're preaching yep. against homosexuality Other sins and all get those preached things. Against. But, but we, <laughs> but we got to stop talking talk about, about race. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Right. Uh, so just, you know, putting myself in, in a black man's shoes who feels marginalized and unheard. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I see this pastor who has no issue preaching against those things, but is quick to shut me down mm-hmm. when I share my experiences. Um, right. I'm, I'm not trusting that dude. Right. I'm, I'm not coming to him. Like e- even if he has solid theology, even right. if he has, I'm not trusting anything he says. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, yeah, man. I'm, yeah. And, and why, why would you, I certainly don't want that man influencing me further. Right. Right. Like because I don't want him to continue like life on life. I don't want him to be the one to do that. If he's going to shut me up. Right. When I'm sharing those right. experiences and, and, stuff, and, so. and what is amazing is that, you know, when, when black people share their experience of, of the racism that yeah. they've seen perpetrated against them, the yeah. injustice, the sin, mm-hmm. you would think it would be Christians who would be the first ones yeah. to, to speak up and say that's wrong and that's sinful and, right. and we need to address it and we have to deal with it. And, and when, when, a, when a black person gets the opposite yeah. or, or they hear, it may not be directed right at them, but they hear um, white pastors telling other white pastors to stop talking about race so much. Yeah the trust or the witness yep. that that pastor can have on that black person goes away. Yeah. That and, lampstand. <laughs> yes. And, and so, yeah, you, that, that presence, that, that influence is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to be influential yeah. in the world, yeah. uh, whether it's, whether it's with black people or whether, whether it's with any other group of people, we want our witness 
to matter and to count. And you're fooling yourself if you don't think people are noticing. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're fooling yourself if you don't think people yeah. are, I mean, you're either being a constant witness and, and you know, making people kind of want what yeah. you have or, or you're repelling them from it. Right. You know, and, and so it's just like. Yeah, one of the two is happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're either drawing people in or you're pushing people away. Right. Um, and then that's the question we, you know, all have to ask ourselves because when you look at Philip, uh, you know, here's this person that, you know, if it wasn't for love of God right. and love of neighbor, mm-hmm. Philip wouldn't run over to that chariot right. and hop up inside and be like, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus yeah. I love him and I love you enough yeah. to tell you this. Right. Um, and, and you look different from me too. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not going to let that affect me. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to see that, hey, we have differences and all those things, and I'm going to share the gospel, and then you right. share the people that look like you, and then, and that's just how it's supposed to be. Right. When you see people in Scripture sharing the gospel, it is a result of their love and yeah. obedience to the Lord and their love for people. Ooh, say that again. In Scripture, when you see people <laughs> sharing the gospel, it is a result of their love and obedience for the Lord and yeah. their love for people. Yeah. And, and what... I, I think we're trying to do in this yeah. area here with, with scriptures, we're trying to, to help, especially white people, right. understand that when it comes to your witness mm-hmm. in the United States of America, yeah. your love for black people, right. the way that you love them and treat them is going to go a long way Mm-hmm. And you having influence when you share the gospel with them, yeah, and and that certainly um, needs to be something we we think about, right? And so I, I think that's you know when we the application portion of this yeah. you know this episode as we're thinking about the early church as we're living out our lives we're asking ourselves am I being a person of love. And do I care about loving someone more than I care about my experience or my uncomfortableness? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know cause they have shared this with me. Mm-hmm. I know that white people that I love have said to me, they have a tough time sharing the gospel with black people mm. because the black people, black people are so different. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, or they're intimidated. Yes. So it makes it, 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 mm-hmm. it intimidate. They're scared of them. They're intimidated. They get anxious. They get nervous. Right. And my question is, do you love people that are different than you enough right. to have that love override yeah. all of that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and here, you know, are you willing to reach out to those people? Right. Um, their souls could, could depend on it. I'm not saying you're the only hope for them, but I'm, I'm right. just saying if yeah. if the Lord puts it on your heart to, <laughs> to, right. and, to and, and preach here, the gospel, and, you and better the, do it. And the reality is no white person yeah. would be saved today if people of color hadn't reached out to us. <laughs> Think about that. Put that on a shirt. Think about that. Jesus wasn't white. Yeah. The Jews weren't white. Yeah. The Northern Africans weren't white. If if people of color who were the first converts to mm-hmm. Christianity, mm-hmm. if people of color had not shared the gospel yeah. with white people yeah. or people that lack melanin, yeah. 
if if us Gentile dogs yes, would not be if, if they hadn't loved mm. people who were different enough, no white person would be saved today. Ooh. And yet we're not willing to love people who are different enough. Man. Grace on grace on grace on grace on grace. Yeah. Amen. Right? Love on love on love on love on love. And the way that this becomes easier for everybody is to to what did you say? Life on life? Life on life. Is to do life on life. Yeah. Right? Do life on life. Yeah. Um, where those differences that we see. Yeah. Um will always be overcome by love. And we always say this too. And I mean, you know, the differences are beautiful. Man. Absolutely. Like if you really dive into it, Diversity you see that, man, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. And Absolutely. I, you, you're doing yourself a disservice. Not only is it wrong, right. And not only is it against the Lord's, you know, will for you, but right. it's also just, you're missing out. <laughs> you're missing out if you, if you're not diving into yeah. Fellowship with people that are different than you. All I know is I'm glad that there were people of color yeah. in early Christianity yeah. who were willing to share the gospel yeah. with the white man. Yeah. Thank you for being a part of this episode. We are super excited about this season. We hope today was a blessing. Next week, we're going to continue this black presence in early Christianity, or, mm-hmm. or two weeks from now, I guess, and we're going to look yeah. at uh, the early church fathers and the influence that Africa had on early Christianity there the first few hundred years after um, the death and resurrection and exaltation of Jesus Christ. Please like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, we will see you next time. And again, please, please, please make love what it's all about. We love you guys. Wait.